The Word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the Word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our Saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's Word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to bromleytownchurch.com. Well, I noticed there was one loud cry of delight when it was said that we don't have to fast on the 1st of January. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. That's, that's grace. You see grace and God will help us through that time. I want to encourage you, if you are able to uh, join that fast from the 2nd, from the 2nd, then let's get involved with that because as we approach that time of prayer in the new year, it's going to be really helpful for all of us and we want to get our focus upon God for what he's going to do. Right now, we're going to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we declare blessing over this place in your holy name. We thank you, Lord, that you have blessed us with life and health. We thank you that you have blessed us with every good gift, for every good gift comes from you. We thank you that you are the Father of all things. You are the author of life. You are the supreme one, the mighty one, the great and awesome one. You are the one who has created all things. By you and for you have all things been made. We worship and adore you and magnify who you are. We declare that you are king, king over the United Kingdom, king over the nations of the world, king over the universe. You are the great and mighty God. You are the one who is worthy of the adoration of our hearts, worthy of the praise of our lives. We lift your name up, O God. We worship and adore you. We magnify and glorify you. We give praise to you because you are worthy. Father, help us. We have need of you. We have need of you. Lord, our hearts, our minds want to encounter you. Our hearts desire to move close to you. Come with your presence. Come, O God, amongst your people. Come to strengthen us. You have said that your name is Emmanuel, the one who comes to be among his people. And you have declared in your covenant that you will be our God and we will be your people. So, Father, come and write your laws and commands upon our hearts that we might know you, that we might interact with you. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Almost wanted to keep praying rather than preaching, as it were, this morning. <laughs> Today, if you've not been here over the last few weeks, or if you have been here over the last few weeks, we have been talking about soul plan. We have been on a mission to talk about salvation. And also, we have been looking, and if you cast your eyes over here, there is a new piece of uh, uh, furniture, I should say, in the house this morning. The grey board, and I'm going to explain more about that a bit later on as we carry on. We've been talking about the soul plan because we have been looking forward, or we've been trying to understand what souls are and how valuable souls are. What even is a soul? We looked at the fact that a soul is really the eternal part of us. I am a spirit, and I, live in a, I have a soul, and I live in a body. That's what we are. But we often, obviously, just think about ourselves as being flesh and blood, and we forget about the fact that we are eternal beings. Our soul is our eternal being. And you know what? Our soul, therefore, will live forever. Souls are very important to God because he created each and every one of them. He created them for purpose. He created them for himself. 
But you know, ever since Adam and Eve fell to sin, and sin entered the world, then the enemy of God, the devil, has been seeking to take the souls of men and women to hell, which is his own destiny. Hell isn't something that is mentioned enough in church, but we need to understand that there is a place that the souls of men and women are destined for because of the sin that has come into the world. But at Christmas time, we're celebrating the fact that a Saviour was born. And God so loved the world that he sent his one and only Son to be the Saviour of the world, to atone for the sins of the world. That is, to make peace with God because of the sins of the world so that we might have reconciliation with God. And rather than a destiny with the devil, but we may have a destiny with God himself in heaven. That is what God has come to do amongst his people. And it's something that we need to talk about and encourage ourselves with. Sometimes we forget the fact that souls are valuable. Sometimes we forget the fact that our soul is valuable. I know we seek to look after ourselves, but we just need to look after ourselves to make sure we're fed and watered and the, the fact that we're comfortable and we're okay, we're clothed, all right. We want to look after ourselves, but we forget about the value that we actually have. We forget about the value of our souls. And so often, people, all of us to a degree, we can be chasing after things. We can be chasing after the things that bring some satisfaction and comfort, and yet we can gain the whole world, it says, and yet we can still lose our souls. And there's the scripture that we've been looking at, Mark 8, 36 and 37, which says, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world? What do you really benefit? You may have luxuries for a moment, but they do not last forever. How much can you take with you when you leave this world? Nothing. 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 You think of Tutankhamun and his tomb. And the Egyptians, they laid up all of their treasures alongside the dead body of their king, their pharaoh, for us to find, because they didn't take them with them. It's all left here. Grave robbers came to capture the stuff, because nothing went with the person. You see, we can gain the whole world. What is the benefit for us if we gain the whole world, but we lose our soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? And that is what we've been trying to understand. And throughout this next year, 2018, we are instigating this soul plan, is what we are talking about it. What is it? It's where we are bringing the name of one person whom we have had laid on our hearts. So not necessarily the person that you, is in your family that you're always thinking of, but maybe it is that person. But we're asking God, God, what is the name that you want to have me to lift up before you this year. We want to have one soul, and for that one name, that one soul, we want to be praying for them daily, that God would touch their hearts, that God would come to speak to their hearts, that God would move upon their hearts. And we're saying one soul, one prayer, one ask, and we're looking for an opportunity during the year when we may be able to invite that person to a place where they're going to be able to encounter Jesus. Whether in this place, or whether it's at another meeting, or something else elsewhere. The key thing is, we're looking for them to encounter Jesus Christ. And we've been saying, okay, God, who is it? Some of you have already been thinking about this, and praying about this, and I'm sure some of you will have your name on your hearts and on your minds. Incidentally, some of you won't. And that's okay. But the object of our board here 
is that we write those names on that board, just the first name, or maybe just the initials. Because it's not necessarily that we all need to know. It's known to us and it's known to God. The key thing is we're putting it there as a point of reference for us to remember that, yes, I have said one name, one prayer, one ask. Because we're looking across the year to have this constantly put in front of us so that we can bring people to Jesus. We can lead them to Jesus. If you want to know the size of the font in which you should write... Doesn't have to be a particular, doesn't have to be Hel- Helvetica. It can be your own hands, handwriting. But Johnny has written his name up there, which obviously we will rub out in time. Though he obviously would like to be prayed for every day. Um, that's just the sort of size, and that's just to give you an indication. But I mean, that you can write names, because otherwise somebody will try and write in, you know, like 0.2 or something, very, very tiny. So it, it makes sense for us to be able to see it. That's just an example, and there is the board. And, I get, and I'll encourage you more with that as we go on. Proverbs 11, verse 30, says this. He who wins souls is wise. He who wins souls is wise. There is wisdom in what we're talking about. There's wisdom in what we're seeking to do. And we want to encourage each other. You know what? Who needs encouragement in this? We, we all need encouragement. The whole idea of it being over a year and not just an event is that we all need to get into it. You know what? There's going to come time when you're going to need to be reminded about it. There's going to come, do you know what? I still haven't asked God about that name. That's okay. There's still an opportunity for you to write that name up. What we want to get across to ourselves is the fact that souls are valuable to God and he wants to rescue them from hell and take them to heaven. And you know what? That message needs to sink into us. It needs to sink into all of us. I include myself with this. Because there are times you come to church, you say, wow, I'm feeling really, really Jesus-y today. And there are other times when you're feeling not Jesus-y. You've got the wall that we've spoken about, the wall. Incidentally, incidentally, and Helen will say this, really, I do not watch that program regularly, okay? (laughs) I can hear a little sort of like, going across, you know. I... I have switched it on, I have watched it. Who is that character? Is it uh, the uh, Liverpudlian guy? Who's on there? No, nobody, oh, nobody else watches it. No, I've never seen it. All right, right. Father, we come to repent before you this morning. We lay our lives down. Whatever his name is, anyway, he makes me laugh. So that's, that's the end of that. Um, Jesus... How do you carry on from something like that? (laughs) Jesus is the ultimate, the supreme soul winner. Because he came for everyone. He came for everyone. He is the supreme soul winner. And Christmas is a special time of year. Because we are celebrating the fact that Jesus was born. The angel said to Joseph, Joseph Son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus is the ultimate soul winner. And Christmas time, we are reminding ourselves of the fact that he came to us. He came to rescue. 
Christmas is the beginning of God's great rescue plan being actually worked out. It was initiated on the day that Adam and Eve fell into sin. But now it's being worked out in the earth. And we celebrate that at Christmas time. What did Jesus come to do? For the Son of God came to seek and to save that which is lost. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus came to save. Jesus came and completed the work that he had been sent to do. He was the saviour of the world. However, when he returned to heaven, he gave instructions to us. Instructions that we're familiar about, but let me just remind you of them. He gave us a commission. He gave a commission. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Jesus gave a commission. Jesus sent a companion. He says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans, but when I go, I am going to send the Holy Spirit to you. John 16, verse 7, But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counsellor will not come, but if I go, I will send him to you. So he gave us a commission, but he also gave us a companion. And also, we are a confirmation. Acts 1 verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. You will confirm the word that I have brought through the word of your testimony, through the word of your witness to others. You will be a confirmation to everybody else that Jesus is the Saviour of the world. We are to be his witnesses And you know what? I think each one of us here, in one sense, wants to see that mission fulfilled. Because we know that God is good, and we want to see goodness being spread upon the earth. We're opening our papers and we're seeing so much evil, so much badness, so many woes, so many trials, so many difficulties, so many frustrations being brought before us on a daily basis. We want to see the world being affected by God and being affected by good. So we want to see the mission of Jesus fulfilled. And Jesus wants us, each one of us, to be fully involved with that. He wants us to be involved. But you know what? When we say that, that's when we get, he wants us to be involved? I'm rather busy at the moment. I've got plans. I've got things I need to do. Do I need to do that right now? Can it wait? There's that sense within ourselves when there's a wanting to put these things off. Well, Jesus, we'll get on with your mission when we've got a moment. We need to be able to surrender to God and say, God, if this is your mission, then I'm signing up for it. I want to give myself to your mission. And we need to remember and remind ourselves of certain biblical facts. You can't get in. You can't get in. John 3, verse 3, I tell you the truth, no one, no one can see the kingdom of heaven unless he is born again. You can't get into heaven unless you are born again. Nobody can. It's not like, wow, you have become born again, so that has given you your entry. What about the others? They cannot get into heaven. No one can get into heaven 
unless they are born again. Unless a man or a woman is born again, they cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. You can't get in. We need to remind ourselves that the Bible is also declaring that people are guilty already. Whoever believes in Jesus is not condemned, is what the Bible says. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Guilty as charged. In America, you have something called death row, which is where people who have been found guilty of a crime and they are waiting now to be put to death. They are known as condemned people. You know that the world, those who are not born again, are a condemned people. But it's funny, they don't walk around as though they've got a death sentence over them because they're not aware of the value of their souls. But we're just reminding ourselves of the fact of what the Bible says about these people. Unless a man or woman is born again, they stand condemned already. And thirdly, facing separation. Those who are condemned will be separated from those who are born again. In Matthew 25, there's quite a strong and shocking story that is told. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Look, people can't get in. People are guilty already, and people are facing separation. That is the truth of what the Bible is teaching us today. But listen, the doorway is Jesus. Jesus has declared, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Why am I emphasizing these things? We are familiar with them. Yes, we might be familiar with them, but we're emphasizing them so that it gets into our minds. The truth will set us free. The truth will activate us into the things that God is wanting us to do. Timothy, as we heard last week from Paul, was told to do the work of an evangelist. We want everybody to evangelize, but we're all looking to the evangelist to lead us. And Paul says, listen, get on with the work, please. Get on with the work. Do the work of an evangelist. And as we looked at in Proverbs anyway, we want to be wise? Well, he who wins souls is wise. God knows where you live. I don't mean that in a negative sense. I know where you live. He knows where you live. He knows your work. He knows the relationships around you. He knows the people he has put into your world. It's not an accident. And he has given you the gift of the Holy Spirit so that you may be a witness to him. And you know what? Even if you're scared right now, and I can understand people being like, yeah, I know all of that's true, but I don't know where to begin. In the name of Jesus, we're asking, Father, will you do something in our lives this next year that will see many people saved? Because we want to see the testimony of salvation to raise our faith and our strength.
We want to hear that testimony so we can be encouraged. Listen, I just want to go on quickly this morning to do eight things. I hope I can get through these eight things. Eight things for us to remember as we go and reach out to other people. Eight things. First point is this. It can feel scary. Going out can feel scary. And listen, this is the encouragement that Jesus gave to his disciples. So he's got his guys there. He's going to send them out on mission. He's going to encourage them. And this is what he says to them. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. What? I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Well, hang on. Most people would understand that wolves like to eat sheep. Yeah? So what do you think that is? What? And there is a sense in which, you know, it's good for us to know... Do you know what? If you feel scared about this, that's what happens. That's quite natural. But it doesn't mean to say that we can't overcome. It doesn't seem to mean to say that we can't actually succeed. It just says that's what it feels like. It feels like you're going out as a sheep amongst a whole load of wolves. You feel as though you could get eaten alive. There is that sense in which there's, wow, people are going to be against me. You will feel like that. But do you know what? We've got to tell the enemy, I am not going to listen to that and make me stop going out. Because that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants us to feel the fear so that we stay in our armchair. He wants us to stay away. And you know what we miss out on? Not only do we miss out on the fact that others get to hear about Jesus, but we miss out on the life of God that comes to make a lamb able to overcome a wolf. We miss out on the testimony. We miss out on what God can do in us and through us because we're sitting in our armchair. No, we don't want to be intimidated. We want to go out. But we need to remind ourselves of the fact that Jesus said it is going out like a sheep amongst the wolves. But he said himself, listen, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. So that's, that's the measure of what's going to happen. People, when you speak to them about Jesus, some people will say, I don't want to know. That's okay. Somebody else does. Somebody else is waiting. Somebody else is needing to hear. And we want to find those people. First of all, it's scary. Secondly, some people welcome you. Other people won't. Some people will welcome you. And you know, if you look at, particularly in Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 10, it talks about entering a house. When you enter a house, say, peace on this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. But when you enter a town and you are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that sticks to our feet we wipe off against you, yet be sure of this. The kingdom of God is near. I tell you that it will be more bearable for that day, on that day for Sodom than for that town. Now, some of that's a bit scary, I know. But basically what it's telling us is we can go to homes, <coughs> excuse me, we can go to homes and there are some people who will welcome us. You will find some people being friendly. You will find some people who want to know more. Go with those people. They are, can be men and women of peace who open other doors for you. And some people will just say, no, it's like shutting the door in your face. Okay, that's the way it has to be. That's the way it seems with this particular person. You just move on. You haven't actually got to turn your shoe up and start wiping the bottom of your feet and proclaiming anything against them. It's just that it gives us a picture of what can happen. It can be scary out there. Some people will welcome you. You know what? Other people 
won't. Third point is this, Jesus is constantly knocking. Revelation 3.20 says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. That's what it says in the NIV. In the Living Bible it says this, look, I have been standing at the door and I'm constantly knocking. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, look, everybody, I'm at the door and I'm knocking. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for you to open the door. If anyone hears me calling and opens the door, I will come in and fellowship with him. Jesus is constantly at work. You know, we talk about the fact that Jesus went from heaven and his work on earth was finished, but it doesn't mean to say that he's doing nothing now. You know what? He is interceding. He is praying because he wants to see us succeed in the mission that he has given to us. And he is praying for those who will receive his message. His prayers go ahead of us. John 5.17 says, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. So there's work going on in heaven, and we can see that by the fact that Jesus is actually interested in the souls of people who are lost, and he is standing at the door of their hearts, and he is constantly knocking. Now we need to remember this, because often we think no one has an interest in the gospel. No one. And yet there are thousands of people who are waiting to hear the good news, because deep in their souls, they know that there is something that is missing from their lives. There's a hole in the middle of them, and it's a void, and it's aching. And they need something that will come and fill that void. They need to hear about Jesus. And to know that Jesus is waiting to, uh, for them to open the door is great news for them. Jesus is constantly knocking. And not only that, the harvest is ready. The harvest is ready. Jesus says in John 4, My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do not say four months more and then harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Now Jesus actually said that to his disciples after he had had that encounter with the woman at the well. As we were talking about last week, the woman went off to go and tell the rest of the village the good news that could this be the Messiah that has come and spoken to her. So she's gone off. So while she's gone off, the disciples have come back. They are unpacking their sandwiches. And then Jesus says to them, listen, I don't need anything to eat. My food is doing God's will. And then he starts to talk to them about the harvest. And it's obvious that the time he was talking to them, the harvest wasn't ready. So you would say, well, the harvest isn't ready yet. What are you talking about? But Jesus is saying, forget the actual harvest. I'm telling you, the harvest is ripe. The harvest is ready. And you know what? Elsewhere in the Bible, in Matthew, he says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. But then he says, but the workers are few. In other words, I can see that the harvest is ready. The harvest is ready and ripe to be bought in. But the problem is, there's no workers, there's nobody to go out there and to gather the crop. You see, there is a crop that is waiting. Now that is something we need to plug into our minds. Because for every negative, you need something that's going to help to drive you forward. Listen, I'm not worried about the no's. I want to find those that say yes. Because the harvest is ready.
the harvest is ready. And you know what? We can pray to God. God, you have declared that the harvest is ready. We are ready to go and to get that harvest in. What you have said is what we are here to fulfill. We're here to bring in the sheaves, as it were. So please, God, will you go ahead of us and help us? The harvest is ready. We need to remember this too. Salvation belongs to God. It says in Revelation that they're around the throne, and there they are. Around the throne is every tribe, every nation, and the elders and the angels are declaring before God, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. Salvation belongs to him. You know, Peter and John, after the day of Pentecost, there was the time when they went to the gate beautiful, and there's the beggar man there, and I've told this story many times. A beggar man is there holding out his can to get some money, and he looks at them, and Peter looks at this guy, and they engage in eye contact, and so there's the thought that financial blessing is going to come my way, thinks the beggar. And Peter says these famous words, silver and gold, I do not have. But what I have, I give unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And that man who had been bound with his illness for years, and as an outcast of society because he was just a beggar, rose up a whole man able to leap. He says he was leaping and dancing. As you can imagine, if you had been bound for years and years and never been able to walk, and suddenly you can walk, you're going to make the most of it, aren't you? You are going to shout and holler and jump and laugh and cry, and all of those emotions come out at once. Similar to what we're like on Christmas morning. (laughs) Not quite. He was jumping around. Now this, of course, caused a great stir amongst the people. Because they're saying, what's going on? Hey, what's happened? This guy, wow, the news is going around. But then Peter says to the crowd, he says, men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Stop. Well, it surprises me because I've never seen this happen before. I'm in shock. That's the bit that's missing from the Bible because I'm sure they wanted to say, well, we were surprised. He said, why does this surprise you? Because then Peter goes on to say, why do you stare at us as if it was by our own power and godliness that this has happened? You see, salvation and every work of God belongs to God. And Peter was claiming enough of it, none of it. He's saying, I might be involved. I've actually said to the guy, rise up and be healed. But listen, all the power comes from God. Salvation comes from God. Healing comes from God. Don't look at me as if I've done it. This is what God does through us. And when we go out, that's the type of attitude we need to have. Don't look at me. I'm like a sheep that's shaking because there's a few wolves around. But listen, this power belongs to you, Lord. Salvation belongs to you. The fact that you can ripen a harvest when it's not harvest time belongs to you. You are the Lord of the harvest. You are able to do what we are not able to do. You are able to bring salvation. And that is what God can do in us and through us. Salvation belongs to God. And you know what? And this is obviously one for us to to remember. Prayer helps. Prayer helps a lot in these things. It helps us to overcome our fears. It helps us to be reminded about what God has said. It encourages us in our faith. But not only that, it helps us to have boldness. Peter and James, the apostles, had been out. In fact, they had been jailed. 
and they'd been released from jail. And rather than running away, the Holy Spirit said to them, I want you to go back out to the temple courts and preach to the people. So having been in jail for preaching, they get out of jail and they go off preaching. Why? Because preaching is what they had been called to do. And so we're not going to give up. Listen to what the early disciples did. I want to see more of that spirit in me. The spirit that says, listen, this is what we're here for. We're here for the purposes of God and we want to fulfill the purposes of God. So they're out there preaching again and by the time they find out, well, where are they in the jail? They're not there. <gasps> they're out preaching. Guys, we need to come in. So they come in before the Sanhedrin and the Sanhedrin want to say to them, you mustn't preach. We want to stop you talking about Jesus. We want to end all of this stuff. And the apostles are basically saying, but we are witnesses. We've seen Jesus and we want to talk about Jesus. That's what we need to have amongst ourselves. That passion to know that we are witnesses of what Jesus has done, of what he has done in our own hearts. And it says, or they said, for we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Listen, one of the issues that we face is the fact that we're, we're troubled by that. I'm not quite sure what I've seen. I'm not quite sure what I've heard. What, what has God done for me? We're, Let's not pretend that those thoughts don't come to our minds because they do come to our minds because those are the things that hinder us and hold us. Well, I haven't really got anything to share. Listen, the truth is this. You were rescued from hell and you were taken to heaven. Oh, but it doesn't feel like anything's happened. Ah, oh, but you came out of darkness and you came into light. Can you remember anything that's changed in your life over that period of time when you accepted Jesus as your saviour to now? Oh, well, since you mentioned it, yeah, I did used to swear, and now I don't swear. I did you see, we have been transformed, but because it's taken place over time, we've lost touch with what has happened to us. We've lost touch with the fact of, do you realize we walk around with the peace of God reigning over our lives, where many people do not know his peace? They're searching when there has been a rest that has come to our souls, and we know that it doesn't mean that we've got out of difficulty or it doesn't mean to say that we don't face different problems in lives, the ups and downs and, and the traumas that come to our lives. We still experience those things, but we have one who comes alongside, who sticks closer than a brother, who will be with us in those times. Amen. But sometimes we forget about those things. Count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done, is what the song says. And that is very true. And we need to remind ourselves with that. With them, they could remember. And they didn't want to stop speaking about what God has done. God has done this in my life. God has done that in my life. I want to testify to his goodness. I want to testify to his grace. And so when they had left and they, they'd received all the threats from the Sanhedrin of you mustn't preach, you mustn't do this, the apostles gathered the other Christians together. They went back. And they went back to pray. Acts 4.29. Now, Lord, they said, consider their threats. This is the, they've come together as the people of God and they're saying, listen, Lord, what about the threats that these other people have been making against us? What about the fact that they want to shut us down? What about the fact they want to put us back in jail? What about those threats that they have been raising against us? Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand 
to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. But you see, now we want the end bit. I want, to be, I want the place to shake. I want it to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to be able to speak the word of God with boldness. But I don't want to have to go through the first bit. I don't want to have to go out and be caught preaching the gospel outside and having people come and persecute me. I'm not interested in that, but I'm interested and I will sign up for the second half. You don't get the second half without the first half. But if you want the second half, you need to surrender to the first half. Because it's the work of God in the way of God that he wants to show his power through that. It takes prayer. Prayer helps. And we can come before God and say, God, I have been out, I feel afraid, but you, oh God, can strengthen me. If you are able to do that in those days and you haven't changed, you are able to do it in my day and you are able to give me strength in the face of adversity to declare your word. Seventh, God directs, we follow. God shows the way. You remember the story of Philip uh, who went after the Ethiopian eunuch? Acts chapter 6. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candice queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Now he's had an angel has come to him and told him, right, I want you to go to this road because you're going to meet somebody there. God went ahead of him. So Philip, bless him, he obeyed. And he was went to the place that God had directed him to. Sometimes we just need to listen to what the Holy Spirit says and have the courage to do what he has asked. Now, incidentally, courage is what it takes. Because he's gone to a place in the middle of nowhere and there might not be anybody there. And if that was the case, all right, God, I'm not sure that I heard. But he did hear because he saw a chariot there. As he gets there, okay, so the Holy Spirit says to him, Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Now, it always amuses me, you read the story, and and often we've read the story before, so you know what's going to happen, so you don't sort of stop and think your way through the story. But I'm assuming the chariot wasn't still. Okay? So we haven't got the picture of Philip. He's he's running alongside the chariot. So don't you think he felt a bit stupid? There's the chariot, go along to the chariot. So he's thinking like, okay. So he's running alongside this chariot. And then at least eventually, he hears the guy speaking and he has the opportunity to engage in conversation. But it takes courage. The Holy Spirit will lead and will guide, but we have to be prepared to get involved. It wasn't the case that in his bedroom one night, Philip was told exactly what was going to happen. 
I'm going to tell you, I'm going to go to this place. Now, when you get to that place, this is what's going to happen. And by the way, you're going to see a guy in a chariot. Now, he's going to have a couple of horses there. You're going to have to run alongside, but don't worry. You might get a little bit of out of breath, but don't worry about that. Keep going. In fact, if you practice beforehand, you'll get this right. You go along the chariot. He's going to be reading this. And at this point, you say this. That's what I want. Because that makes me feel more secure. But you see, God wants to show himself as God in my life and in your life. God wants to build our faith in him. God wants us to know that he is God and that he can do things like this. What happens is when you come back, somebody says, do you know what? There was a car there. Somebody had to have the window down and they were playing a Christian song. And I was just able to say, do you like that song? And that entered us into a conversation. You know what? That could suddenly appear in scripture, as it were, as something similar to this. We just have to take the first steps and be encouraged. But God will direct the way. He will lead the way. And we can follow him. And lastly, you know, the scripture talks about the fact that people respond differently. People respond differently. And for this, we can look at the parable of the sower. Guys, you can come back up, actually. So I'm not going to take long. The parable of the sower, which says, a man went out to sow seed as he threw his seed. Some of the seed fell on the pathway, some of the seed fell on a rocky soil, some of the seed fell amongst thorns, and some of the seed fell upon good soil. And that's the story that Jesus told, and when Jesus gets back with his disciples, they say, nice story, what does it mean? And so Jesus says, well, all right, guys, I'll tell you what it means. And he went on to tell them about the fact of how the seed, that is, proclaiming the good news of Jesus, how it comes to different people in different ways. Seed falls by the pathway. And Jesus explained to his disciples that, you know what, we can declare the word of God. And for some people, it's like this. The seed falls on a pathway. When they don't understand it, the enemy wants to snatch those words away as quickly as he can so they can't understand it. You see, the word of God has power. Hear me. The word of God has power. It will accomplish that for which it has been sent. So when you are speaking and sharing in your office and you gave a scripture to somebody, the word of God has power, but the enemy can come and snatch it away. Like, oh, I didn't even know. But remember, the word of God has power because sometimes your word can rest into soil that is good and the word will produce fruit. But the enemy wants to snatch away just like seed that falls on a pathway. Some people you say good words to, it has no effect. That's what the Word of God tells us will happen. It then goes on to say, some people, you will talk to them and it does have effect. But it's like seed falling on a place where there are rocks. And so the seed falls there and they get all excited. Wow, Jesus is great. You know, he's doing everything. But as soon as some problem comes in their lives, well, I don't know about this Jesus. They've got no root. Their roots didn't go down at all. They didn't develop. They weren't going anywhere. You are going to be disappointed to see that happen. But you know what? God has already said that is what will happen with some people. They will receive the word of God with joy, but when it comes to pressures, they disappear. You are going to see that happen. And likewise, some seed fell among the thorns. Again, this is where you have given the word and people have received the word and they received it joyfully and they were starting to be changed. But the problems and the cares of life, I can't do that because I always play football on a Sunday. I can't do this. I can't do that. I won't do this because the pressure, I, what will my family think? The pressures of life 
and the going after wealth, those things can choke out the Word of God. Jesus has already told us that that will happen. But you know what? Some people, it is like the seed that falls on good soil and it just produces a mighty harvest. So there, when we share, you see, everyone we share with, that person's going to come through to be an evangelist. Well, that's what we hope. But you know what? Even the Word of God says, no, that doesn't always happen. So we need to be realistic. These things can happen as we go out to share the gospel. There can be disappointments, there can be frustrations, but we go out to share the gospel because we want to obey the commission that we've been given. We have felt the Holy Spirit with us and we want to accomplish the work of God to see men and women being rescued from hell and being sent to heaven. That is what we want to see. Throughout 2018, we have the sole plan ahead of us. There is this board. Just behind the board, there is a pen. Or actually, just on top of that uh, speaker cabinet, there is a pen. And it's a, it's a chalk pen, so you might need to just press the nib in and shake it a little bit. But then you can write on there a name. If anybody has a name, when we sing this next song, come up and write your name on there. And as you do so, there are some cards which you've got this little diamond on one side, and on the other side, they've just got a blank space. Now, that's simply for you to be able to take one of those cards, and you write the name that you've written on the board on that card, and you can keep this card in your wallet, in your purse, in your handbag, on the mirror at home, but it just reminds you, that's the name that I am praying for daily. Souls are so valuable to God. He doesn't want to see anyone perish but everyone come to know him. And we just want to get ourselves involved. I know we're all thinking, let's hope somebody else writes a name up there. Let's hope somebody else does that. Let's hope, and the expectation, you don't have to have that already today. Nobody's saying you have got to. But for those who are ready and are ready to go, then let's get the name starting. Because we want to get behind this, we want to see this. So you can write your name up there, Take one of these, and from every week, the pens will be available. This will be up every week. The pens will be available from the, uh, the team at the back, so we can write names up any week. We're not just going to leave the pens out, because you know what? Somebody can write up Crystal Palace, you know, or something silly like that, and whilst we want the whole of Crystal Palace football team to be saved, it's one soul, one prayer, one ask is what we're looking for. And so we take one of these, we put the name on, and that can actually help us. Let's just pray. Father, Father, we are asking you sovereignly, Lord, would you please have mercy upon us in the frailty of our lives, Father, in the fears of our minds, Lord, the things that we listen to, the things that we, we speak against ourselves and think that we don't have the ability to reach anybody. Lord, we declare right now, you are God, you have commissioned us, and we're asking you to do your work in and through us for your glory. We declare before you, Lord, you have said that the harvest is ripe. And Father, it is our desire to see souls being saved for your kingdom. Your word says you that we didn't choose you, but you chose us and appointed us to go and to bear fruit, fruit that will last. And we want to be those, oh God, who bear that fruit. So Father, in the midst of our frailty, we're praying for your glory. In the midst of our weakness, we're praying for your strength. In the midst of our foolishness, we're asking for your wisdom. 
that you would go ahead of us, Lord, and that you would help us. For, Father, you are the way, the truth, and the life, and you are the only one that people can find salvation through. So, Father, please help us and use us in Jesus' name. So just as, the guy, as we're going to start singing this song, I want people to go forward. Johnny will be here. He can, he can help you. Just before we do that, I'm just going to read this. Because some of you are still thinking, like, I'm not sure that Jesus can reach the person in my life. But you know what? The Bible says this, that Jesus is the bread of life. He is the bread of life, so that means that every baker can understand who he is. Jesus is the water of life so that plumbers can understand. Jesus is the light of the world so that electricians can understand. Jesus is the cornerstone so that architects can understand. Jesus is the sun of righteousness so that astronomers can understand. Jesus is the hidden treasure so that bankers can understand. Jesus is the life so that biologists can understand. Jesus is the great physician so that doctors and nurses can understand. Jesus is the good teacher so that educators can understand. Jesus is the lily of the valley so that florists can understand. Jesus is the rock of ages so that geologists can understand. Jesus is the true vine so that horticulturalists can understand. Jesus is the righteous one so that judges can understand. Jesus is the pearl of great price so that jewelers can understand. Jesus is wisdom so that philosophers can understand. Jesus is the word of God so that actors can understand. Jesus is the good shepherd so that farmers can understand. Jesus is the alpha and the omega so that scientists can understand. Jesus is the king of kings so that royalty can understand. Jesus is the way so that traffic wardens can understand. Jesus is the truth so that politicians can understand. Jesus is the resurrection so that funeral directors can understand. Jesus is the mighty deliverer so that postmen can understand. Jesus is the advocate so that solicitors can understand. Jesus is the bridegroom so that wedding planners can understand. Jesus is the Lion of Judah so that zookeepers can understand. He is the star of the morning so that celebrities can understand. He is the suffering servant so that shop assistants can understand. He is the builder of the house so that homeowners can understand. He is the good news so that people in the media can understand. Jesus is the one.